and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. All right, everybody, welcome to the Rempty Call. I am your host, Brother Frank. Glad you are here. Folks, it seems like every week we are one step closer to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Jesus. He is coming. He's coming soon. Comes, folks, there is prophecy that will be fulfilled. And one of those prophecies is the second exodus. And we're going to get into that tonight. But before we do, you don't want to miss next week because next week's show is kind of a a special show. Uh, Brother Benjamin's coming on, and it, it's going to be our Connecting the Dots episode. Uh, Brother Benjamin, in the end of 2017, around there, was got the uh, revelation about the, uh, the understanding from the, the 70 uh, years of captivity in Babylon corresponding to the 70 years of spiritual captivity. And it, Well, I'm not going to get all into that. You've got to listen, and on down through that, there's been a lot of stuff that Brother Benjamin has shared, but we're going to finally piece it all together, because a lot of people have jumped in here and there, and they hear something, and they don't understand where it connects. Well, next week is that show you don't want to miss. We're going to put it all together so it will be understood uh, what Brother Benjamin's trying to share clearly, um, just basically connecting all those dots, so don't miss that. Well, folks, tonight is going to be an important program, and before we get started, I just want to start with a word of prayer. Father, in the name above every name, Yeshua, Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you have not given up on us. We thank you so much for the blessings that you give. We thank you so much for the mercies that you have. Lord, I ask that you would bless this program to your honor and glory. In Yeshua's precious name, amen. Well, folks... If you've been listening to the Remnant Call, you know that every Thursday now, around people all from all over are fasting. Remnant are fasting because these are the days they're coming. It is a time when we need to be in prayer and fasting. And I just want to share with you this morning. Last night, I had an extremely stressful thing going on with work. And it was so bad that I was up and down throughout the night worrying about this. And, you know, I should have not worried a bit because I can't add one cubit under my stature, but my human flesh was taking over and I was worrying. And, and here I am fasting, uh, coming into work this morning, and I'm at my desk and all of a sudden it just hit me that I had been so busy at work. I was not praying before I was going into every job, before I was doing like I, you know, I should be asking the Lord before I even step through the door at a customer or talk to somebody, Lord, guide me through this. I'd gotten so busy. I had lost that prayer that was happening before everything I was doing during the day, throughout the day and all that stuff. And I, I just began to, to repent of that this morning. And I just got real with God and began to confess it. And I and at the end of that prayer, I just I began to share the Lord. Lord, I'm 
I'm, I need you right now. And I'm desperate for what's going on, Lord, at this time, because I had, I had no real way. I was running up against a wall, and this was going to come crashing down. And after I prayed that prayer, it wasn't just shortly right after that, that the most miraculous solution came in. The vendor, we had taken over a customer from a competitor. Um, that competitor that, you know, when you take over from another competitor, many times they're not very happy in the IT world that you did that. But that competitor was so gracious and actually came in and handed me the solution to that issue. And I was so thankful. Only God could do something like that. And so praise the Lord, folks. Fasting, prayer, seeking God. He is in the business of straightening out the problems in our life. And so that brings me to where we are right now, the second exodus. And, you know, every once in a while, I don't, I've actually only done it maybe once or twice in the entire time of the remnant call. I don't think I've ever hardly gone back and replayed a program. I did uh, C.R. Oliver once. I'm not sure I've ever done another one, maybe one, but I, I don't remember. But I needed to go back to a program on the second exodus. It was at the end of 2017 when I had asked Brother Benjamin to share something that I have been a firm believer in since my conversion a little over 20 years ago, and, and I wanted him to share some insight. But I want to before we go back into that episode, because, folks, you need to hear it because it's more important now than it was even then to hear this show. But when I had first learned about this some years ago, and, and this prophecy, is, it's in the Word of God. It's in Jeremiah chapter 23, but it's also, I believe, in Jeremiah chapter 16, if I'm correct on that. It's repeated two times in the Word of God in the same book. And I'm telling you, folks, if God repeats something twice, it's very important. And the fact that Jeremiah would share this two times at length, word for word, so that in his word, in the, in, in the word of God, in, in Jeremiah, means that we need to pay extra close attention. In Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, starting in verse 5, it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and the king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. And we know who the righteous branch is. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Yes, when Yeshua, Jesus is going to reign again, the Lord our righteousness. This day it's coming. And before that, though, the Lord in verse 7 says, Therefore, preceding what's going to happen, because of this it's coming, therefore something else is going to take place before that. This is what it says, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that they shall no more say, The Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, which brought up and which led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries whither I had driven them, and they shall dwell in their own land. Now, folks, when I read that years ago, and I had some of it explained and got into it myself and understood that there's coming an exodus in this earth that's so powerful, when it happens, we'll no longer talk about the days that the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It'll be over with. 
And I was convinced of this. I was a young believer. I had, I had uh, been reading. I believed in the second Exodus. And I went and talked to a man who was a scholar. I respect him still to this day. He's an expert in, in the Gospels of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John in the book of Revelation. And I was sharing with him this. And he looked at me and said, now, you know, this was actually fulfilled when they came out of Babylon. And I remember as a young believer, I was actually kind of crushed by this. I thought, wow, I, I, I'm a, I, maybe I'm wrong. And so if I'm wrong, I want to get right. So I went back and I began to reexamine this scripture. And I began to pray and ask God for guidance and to show me if I'm wrong, I want to I know that I'm wrong. I want to be right. And, and as I began to read this, it still wasn't adding up, but I didn't have that final answer that I needed to know that the second exodus still had not happened. And all I could see is what this scholar was sharing with me, and, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe it was fulfilled when they came out of Babylon. Well, as I was seeking the Lord and I was reading his word, God finally opened up and showed me the answer that this event had never taken place. And folks, when I found this out, I was so excited. I had read the testimony of Stephen again right before he was martyred. And Stephen, when he began to give, give them a history lesson, and he laid it down before them when he was being called up before the, the, the council at that time, and he talked about how God had led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And he mentioned nothing else about any other exodus, only he talked about the first exodus. And I knew right there the Lord had shown me that the second exodus did not take place out of when they came out of Babylon, or Stephen would have referenced, because when this event takes place, the Bible says they'll no longer talk about the first exodus. And so with that, I asked Brother Benjamin to come on and share with us, because he was the first person who really pointed out the second exodus to me a little over 20-some years ago, and I wanted him to share that, and he did. Folks, I need to play that show again. It's that important. We're living in a different age, and there's going to come a time when God is going to call us to move. Now, maybe God calls you to stay I Listen, God has his own plans, but there is going to be many people, this is not going to be our resting place here in the U.S., and we need to be listening for the moment when God says it's time to go. So with that, I am going to bring to you the show, The Second Exodus. Folks, this is the hour. I hope you enjoy the program. Yeah, The Second Exodus. Frank, you've been asking me for a while, Benjamin, we've got to do The Second Exodus. And um, praise God. You know, I kind of take some of these things for granted. You, you know, I mean, I, it's easy for me to sort of think, well, doesn't everybody know about this? You know, it's kind of like one of the biggest stories in the Scripture. But, you know, a lot of the mainstream prophetic teachers, you know, they, um, they you know, one error leads to another. If you let, if you set the wrong foundation, uh you create a paradigm through which you will misunderstand basically everything, you know? And, um, you know, that, that is sort of the, the plight of humanity. I mean, you know, take the uber-liberals among us, you know. They have trusted in the, the religion of humanism, and so, you know, they believe that all of this nonsense coming out of, essentially, the darkness 
you know, this progressive liberalism is somehow going to make the country good. <laughs> it's doing the opposite. It's destroying the nation. You know, and, and yet there are people that firmly believe it. And, and as a result, they get everything wrong. You set the wrong foundation. There's no way you're going to build the house correctly. And, you know, for that reason, you know, we really got to be careful how we listen. We've we got to be Bereans, and we got to... We've got to be sure that we've got the truth, because there's a whole lot of deception going down. But yeah, the second exodus, I want to start in um, the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, for those of you guys that want to read along with the scriptures. And I want to point out that two major moves by God were, were prophesied. The second exodus is just, it, it, it's a key part of the second coming. And it's a key part of the ministry of the line of Judah. And it's a big part of how God's going to prove himself, the deliverer of his people. But it all comes out of the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, the original Exodus, God's deliverance of Israel from slavery, was a fruit, a, a blessing, if you will, from God's covenant promise to save his people. So he saved them out of their physical slavery. And, and he delivered them out of Egypt in the time of Moses. And he did mighty works. And he wrought judgments upon the land of Mitzrayim, which is Egypt in Hebrew. And, and in so doing, he delivered Israel. And he took them to the promised land. And here at the end of the age, the Lord is yet again going to deliver his people from slavery, which we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, that, that the Israelites are... Even though restored to the land, they're in slavery in the spirit. They just don't know it, because part of spiritual slavery is a blindness that comes over you. You don't realize that you're a slave. The people are, are deceived into believing that they're free, but they're actually under the deceptions of Satan. They've been taken captive to do the will of the devil. But the Lord is about to come and set his people free yet again, this time spiritually, from spiritual slavery, and then in the events of the Great Tribulation that will come quickly upon the earth, a literal second exodus will occur. And so we're going to look into some of the scriptures that deal with that tonight. But I want to start in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Of course, this is a messianic prophecy. We're talking about the the ministry of the Messiah, the rod, and it's actually a twig or a, or a branch, uh, will come out of the stem. And, and the tree is the tree of Israel, and, and the, the roots of this tree are in Jesus Christ. The, the root of the kingdom of God is in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the only begotten Son of the Father, chosen in God from before anything was created. This is the root of our salvation. And yet we're told in Isaiah 11:1, 1, two things are going to happen. A rod will come out of the stem. You know, think of the, the very end of the branch. We had Jesse, and then, and then we had King David, and then the descendants that followed, and then Jesus born of Jerry, of <laughs> Mary and Joseph. And so that speaks of the first birth when the Lord was born 2,000 years ago. And then there's a second prophecy, and a branch will grow out of the roots, his roots, Jesse's roots, 
What is the root? The root and the offspring is Jesus Christ. Something else is going to grow at the end of the age, and it's not coming out of the stem. That was in the natural. This is going to be supernatural. And that word for branch in Hebrew is netzer, and it means a shoot, but it also figuratively means a descendant. It's talking about the bloodline. It's talking about one who would come after, but who, had, who was an heir to his ancestor. And so out of the root of Jesse, which is Jesus Christ, at the end of the age, a branch will come forth. And this branch is an integral part of the second exodus. And then in, um, just to show you the context of this word, netzer, which means not only branch, but it also means a descendant, Isaiah 60, verses 21 and 22, the scripture reads, Thy people also shall be all righteous, and they shall inherit the land forever. This is talking about the anointed remnant at the time of the end. The branch of my planting. It's the people that are the branch, which the Lord has planted, and the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. And a little one among the anointed remnant will be as a thousand, and a small one as a strong nation. That's how much power these people are going to have. The small ones will be as powerful as a nation. And I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. And it's going to come fast now, people, because its time is upon us shortly. But back to Isaiah 11. We're talking about the rod that came out of the stem of Jesse, the man Jesus Christ who was born of Mary and Joseph, who also is God Almighty in the flesh, and the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and our best friend if we know him personally, and also a branch, a descendant will come out of the Lord, out of the Lord's nature as God. When he presents himself as the root of the tree, as the root of David, he's saying, I am God, and out of my divinity came forth all of this. It was God who created this through Christ Jesus and out of his nature as God, a descendant is coming. A descendant so strong that a small one of these brothers will be as powerful as a strong nation. How is that possible? Because they're coming with the nature of God. And God is stronger than the United States of America. God is stronger than all the nations. He says of the nations, they are less than nothing before me. They are less than the dust on my scales of judgment. And so the branch that will come forth with the nature of Jesus Christ, coming as God, coming as the Lion of Judah, will come with the power, greater than that of the nations. Hallelujah. And it's right here in the Word of God. Why couldn't we see these things? Why were our eyes closed all of these years? Back to Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 2. Now we're describing the character of this rod that came forth out of the stem of Jesse. And also the character of the second prophetic fulfillment, when the branch, the descendants, who are the 144,000, the anointed remnant that comes forth out of the root, the scripture will describe for us their character. Thy people, pardon me, Isaiah 11, uh, verse 2, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon them. They're going to have the anointing without measure, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the power of God will come upon them, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And they shall be made of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. 
and they will not judge after the sight of their eyes, nor will they reprove after the hearing of their ears. No, they're going to come forth with the nature of God in them. You know the verse, Christ in you, the hope of glory? These are the attributes of the Christ that is in you, who has not yet come in the fullness of his power, but he's about to come and visit the people. Isaiah 11, verse 10. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse. Now we're talking about the root again, which is Jesus Christ. And he shall be an ensign to the people, a banner, a flag, a glorious sign lifted up to the nations. And to this ensign shall the Gentiles seek. And, and so the, the name of Jesus and the person of Jesus and the, and the Godhead nature of Jesus has been lifted up as an ensign to the nations. And anyone who's got any wisdom is seeking him. And his rest shall be glorious, the peace of the Lord that is coming upon his remnant in a time such as never was, where there will be no peace at all for the wicked. The rest, the peace, the shalom in the camp of the remnant shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day the Lord will set his hand again, a second time, to recover the remnant of his people. This is speaking of the second exodus, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros, from Cush, Elam, and Shinar. Well, there's Babylon, you guys, Shinar. And from Hamath and the islands of the sea. And he will set up an ensign for the nations, and he will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. This is the second exodus that is referenced in this section of Scripture, Isaiah 11, verses 10 through 12. It will come to pass. The Lord will a second time gather his people together, just like he did in the time of Moshe. So he will once again in our day deliver his people from the land of the beast. And in Isaiah 11:16, we're told, and there shall be a highway for the remnant of his people. The Lord's even prepared a way for them to go, which shall be left from Assyria as it was to Israel in the day they came out of Egypt. When God did the first exodus, the Lord had a path. He had a way already planned out that the Lord was going to take the people back to their, their own, what would become their own land. So too in our time, there will be a highway prepared for the remnant of the people. Now, one difference that I would note at this point, in the first exodus, all of Israel came out of Egypt. But only a remnant entered into the promised land. And in the second exodus, only the remnant will come out of the kingdom of the beast. For the judgment decreed is altogether righteous. And, and for those who would not stop sinning, a time would come when the door would close, and they would be stuck in the outer court. There'd be no way to cleanse their garments anymore. And I'm not, I'm not implying that they lose their salvation. No. The spirit that's in them has been redeemed by their faith in Jesus. They are going to be saved, but they will suffer the loss of their lives in the flesh.
And there'll be the many. Many, many Christians are going to die. Only a remnant is going to be physically delivered. And, you know, we don't stay dead long, so don't sweat the small stuff. If we end up among that group and we end up as martyrs, we get a reward for being faithful as a martyr, and we don't even stay dead long, and everybody's a winner who believes in Jesus. But only the remnant has been appointed to walk on the highway. And on, in, in several places in Isaiah, there, there's just such beautiful scriptures dealing with the highway. And I just want to jump over to a couple of them. Um, I didn't, wasn't planning on discussing this text, but, um, you know, we, we read about this in chapter 40 of Isaiah. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert the highway of our God. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. These prophecies are going to come to pass again. I know John fulfilled this. I know this prophesied the first coming. I've been trying to, you know, I guess just share, open people's eyes to the fact that much of Bible prophecy, in fact, is fulfilled twice. Hallelujah. And, you know, there is a highway that only the righteous can walk. And when we pass through, we will not, we will not be overtaken. The fire will not burn us. The floods will not take us away. And, you know, I'm looking for that text where it talks about that the highway is, is really a holy, it's the holy path. And, and only the righteous can walk therein. And, you know, praise God, you know, that there is a righteous remnant that is going to come forth out of this apostate nation, out of this apostate generation. Hey, Benjamin, I think I found the verse. Yeah, go ahead. I think I found the verse that you're talking about. I think it's in Isaiah 35. And uh, it says, and a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go upon therein. It shall be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return. This is the second exodus, and they will come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is not the first exodus. Isaiah is prophesying of an event yet future. The first exodus was already history by the time Isaiah was born in the land of Israel. He's talking about the highway that God's going to prepare, and no fools will shall err therein. God's not going to let any of the fools show up. People that, you know, just couldn't, couldn't stop themselves from being stupid. They're not coming. And uh, the unclean shall also not walk on this road. And there, there'll be no lions there. You know, the beast with the head of a lion, he won't be there. You know, the, the, un, the devils that came out of the mouth of the beast, the beast, they won't be there, Okay. The enemy won't be there. Nothing that can harm the remnant will be there. The angels of God will be marking either side of the road, and the Lord himself is going to lead his little remnant flock home. And, and as they travel, they're coming to Zion with songs. They're going to be singing. 
Can you imagine? This is going to literally happen, you guys. The whole world in the Great Tribulation and a small remnant walking through the wilderness under the protection of God, and they're going to be singing. And everlasting joy will already be their portion, and their peace will be beyond understanding. And all sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's why the scripture says it'll be very well with the remnant in that day. So, yeah, the world is really messed up, okay? And it's about to blow up, too, which we talked about, okay? And it's going to burn in one hour, so, you know, don't be surprised. One day you're going to wake up thinking, oh, that Benjamin, he was just wrong again. And then, boom, later that day you'll be like, well, maybe not. Maybe not, because now the hour finally came, and Babylon burned. And, you know, and, if, and if you're still here, turn your heart to Zion, and turn your heart back to the Lord, because the redeemed are going to begin to move. Hallelujah. Amen to that. You know, and we, we got so confused by so much false teaching. You know, the scripture says, if any man speak in this hour, let him speak as an oracle of God. And, um, you know, p- people don't, they don't fear the Lord. They're just like, whatever, you know, I'm just going to go out there and give my opinion. Forget about it. We don't need your opinion. We don't need my opinion. We need the revelation of truth from the throne room of heaven. And, um, you know, it's going to be like uh, the time of Ananias and Sapphira soon. The Lord's going to be taking out the voices that have brought confusion to his people. He's going to silence them, that he could confirm the ones who were sent by him, so that the people would know who to listen to. Because today the people are totally confused. You know, one camp, hey, we're all going to disappear, you know, forget about it. You're out of here. You know, another camp, you know, well, you just need to buy a whole bunch of guns and beans and stuff. You know, and get cold, and, and, and buy some from me, and, you know, and all that mindset. And, uh, and none of that's true. The redeemed of the Lord are not going to disappear. They're going to return to Zion singing as they go. And they're going to go on a highway. The Lord's already prepared it. You know, and where it says there's no lion there. But, you know, hey, no fools will be entering in either. So, you know, there's a little time left for people to act foolish, and then they're out of time. Then it's basically over for the fools. Their time will be up. Jeremiah 23, Woe unto the pastors that destroyed and scattered the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Woe. And the Lord pronounces a woe against someone. That is to be seriously feared. It is a special class of judgment that is so intense that you can't handle it. Therefore, thus says the Lord of God of Israel, Against the pastors that feed my people lies. You scattered my flock, you drove them away, and you have not visited them. Therefore I will visit upon you the evil of your doings. And Jeremiah 23, in verses 3 through 6, he says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock. Okay, again, it's not the whole flock, you guys. Look, you want to keep your sin? It's going to really burn you now if you do. Look, I know we all love our sin. I mean, our flesh loves our sin, right? 
It does. That's why it has to be put to death. That's why we have to deny the flesh. We have to consider it crucified. That's why fasting and prayer is so critical to actually break the power of the strongholds of the flesh because the flesh is not interested in giving up its pleasures. It's addicted to its sins. And it's not interested in reforming. And God doesn't even have a salvation plan for your flesh. Your flesh isn't getting saved, people. You're going to get a new body. But you know what your flesh is interested in doing? It's interested in staying in control of your life for as long as possible. It's interested in dominating you and subjugating your spirit, man, so that your spirit would remain yet in slavery, so that your flesh could rule the day. And who do you think's calling the shots behind the power of the flesh? Our enemies. The devil in the world. But the Lord is going to gather a remnant of people out of his flock, out of all the countries where I've driven them, and I'll bring them again. This is the second exodus, Jeremiah 23, verse 3. I'll bring them again to their own folds. They shall be fruitful increase, and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. You know, one thing, you guys, when you're testing the Spirit, and you're listening to these different whatever, newsmen, watchmen, whoever these guys are, ask yourself one question. Are you left in fear? You know, fear has torment. Fear is not of the Lord. At no point in the Scripture did the Lord ever say, fear the world, fear what men might do to you, fear what might come upon the earth. No, as children of God, we are to fear only one thing, and that is the Lord. And when we learn the fear of the Lord, we don't fear anything else. The true word of God will bring conviction. It might bring a rebuke, but it will also bring encouragement that there is yet hope if we would repent and return to the Lord. And as soon as we set our hearts to go back to the Lord, He begins to move closer to us. And it's up to us whether we want to be part of the remnant or not. But there is a price to be paid. You know, you've got to quit your sin. You don't get to keep your favorite sin, or you won't be let in his house. You know, you don't just walk in the presence of God from having just committed your favorite sin. It doesn't work that way, you guys. You're stuck in the outer court. And most Christians have never left the outer court, so they don't even know what I'm talking about. But those of you guys who have been in the presence of God, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jeremiah 23, verse 7, Therefore, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that they will no more say, The Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. The day is coming, according to the prophecies of Jeremiah, that the people of God are no longer going to even talk about the first exodus out of Egypt. Rather, they're going to say, The Lord liveth who brought up and led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries where I had driven them. And they shall dwell in their own land. So here in Jeremiah, again, the Lord's talking about the second exodus, and he's saying the time is going to come after the second exodus, which, by the way, will, will be towards the end of the great tribulation, and then will be in the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, people are not going to be running around going, who was in the first exodus? Tell us all about the time of Moses. 
you know, not that that wasn't a glorious time. And, you know, even till today, all of Israel talks about the Exodus and the Passover and on the deliverance God wrought through the hand of Moses. I mean, this is the biggest event ever in the social mind or the religious mind of the Jewish community. Because they rejected the Messiah. Most of Israel doesn't know that, that our beloved Lord is actually their king. You know, that, that was stolen from them. Their leaders led them into deception. You know, they, they trusted their rabbis who said, no, 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 it's, a, it's not Yeshua. Never mind, his name means salvation. And so they lied to the people. The people trusted in the arm of the flesh. It became a curse and a snare unto them. But God's going to deal with that. And then in the time that is ahead, when we get to the kingdom, everybody's going to want to hear about what's now going to happen to you and me. Because if you thought the exodus out of Egypt was something, stay tuned, people. What's fixing to happen is going to make that look like a small-time affair. I mean, the deliverance in this hour, first of all, it's going to be worldwide. Second, it's going to be with far greater demonstrations of God proving who he is. The Lord coming as the Lion of Judah to deliver his people. They're no longer going to want to even talk about the first exodus when the second exodus occurs. And just to touch a couple more verses in Jeremiah 23, and you guys, you should read Jeremiah 23. You should have that one memorized. It'll keep you out of a lot of trouble. Jeremiah 23, verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. Yeah, I'm going to put that in modern English. Do not listen to people who claim to be prophets and who want to give you personal prophecy. Don't listen to them. Don't accept their words. Now, if some prophet person walks up to you and says, I have a word from the Lord, don't receive it. After you hear it, you pray, and you say, Lord, if that was from you, then I pray you would confirm it. And until it's confirmed, don't listen to it. In the Word of God, the Lord's warning this final generation, don't listen to all these crazy prophet people with their Elijah list and this whole prophetic movement. You guys know what I'm talking about. That thing is baloney at best, and it's kundalini, Satanism at worst. And the Lord says, don't listen to them. They'll make you vain. They will speak a vision out of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto, unto the, the nation that despises me. They, the scripture reads, literally, they say still unto them that despise. The false prophets are speaking to people who despise the Lord. And what do they say? They tell the people who despise God, wait a minute, they're not prophesying to unbelievers. They're prophesying to Christians who despise God. How is that possible? Simple. They are apostate Christians. They are the Laodicean Christians who are, in their own eyes, rich and in need of nothing, who honor the Lord with their lips, but in their hearts they worship other gods. And so in their hearts they actually despise the Lord. And it is unto them that Satan sent the false prophets. And what do they say to the apostate Christians? The Lord said you'll have peace. And they say unto everyone that walks after the imagination of their own heart, no evil will come upon you. You'll never see the day of evil, because you're going to disappear. 
in a pre-trib rapture. And the Lord said, don't listen to these lies. And in verse 18, God says, who has stood in the counsel of the Lord? Who actually has stood under the wisdom and the instruction and the revelation of Almighty God and has perceived and heard His Word? Who has marked His Word, properly identified the Scriptures for this time, and heard it? I'll tell you the answer. It's in verse 19. Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord is coming forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind, and it shall fall grievously upon the head of the wicked. And so, you know, this is a promise of a, a greater exodus, where the Lord will again deliver the remnant, verse, you know, Jeremiah 23, verse 3, I will gather the remnant from my people. But then he also says, woe unto those who've listened to the false prophets and who despise me. They only honor me with their lips. Woe unto the apostates in this generation who think they're going to have peace and that the day of evil can never come upon them because they won't be here. And the Lord says to them, a whirlwind is coming, people. A grievous whirlwind. And in verse 20, the scripture reads, the anger of the Lord shall not return until he has executed and until he has performed the thoughts of his heart. And in the latter days, you shall understand this perfectly. Okay, this is a last day's prophecy of tremendous deception in the church. It's a prophecy of a deliverance of a remnant of his people who will be part of a second exodus, which will be, if you're part of the remnant and you get to walk on the highway of holiness with singing and rejoicing on the way back to Zion, you have been truly blessed of the Lord, my friends. Because while the world is in a great tribulation, we will be in a place of great peace and great blessing and great protection. And it's of the remnant that the Lord said to me, I will protect that which is mine. And God is stronger than the strongest of nations. He's more powerful than all the people of the earth. And, you know, I, I was thinking, Frank, of the recent action by the UN where virtually every nation has condemned the United States for recognizing that Jerusalem, Yerushalayim in Hebrew, is the eternal capital of the state of Israel, the kingdom of Israel, and, and how the nations would become incensed against Jerusalem. And, and in, it's literally we're watching the fulfillment of prophecy where in Zechariah it says all the nations will come against Jerusalem. And you guys, we're, we're watching this happen. It's happening on like the news today that the nations shall come against Jerusalem. And um, I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem. It's happening right now. That's in Zechariah 14, you guys. All the nations are being gathered against Jerusalem. All the nations are being gathered against. And isn't it interesting how with President Trump in office, President Trump, and I don't know whether some of you guys love him, some of you guys may not, but, you know, I sure love when, he's, when the truth comes out of our government, which is so rare these days, recognizing the truth that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. And so it is incensed the world. And, you know, amen, brother. I mean, you know, 
Now, I just pray for President Trump that the Lord would keep using him to make declarations of truth. And uh, praise God. Um, okay. You, you know, uh, Benjamin, I ahead. want to sh- share something with you really quick here. Just, um, you know, folks, some of you that may have never heard of the second Exodus before, I can remember the first time I found out about it years ago, 1999, from a, a famous book called The Day of the Lord is at Hand, Benjamin. Uh, I think you might be familiar with that book uh, since you wrote it. And I remember how uh, excited I was to hear about this deliverance plan because it wasn't just something you read. I could actually go into the scriptures and see it. And and so as I studied it and looked into it, and, and I remember I was with my dad, and we were at this place where a, a scholar was speaking, and he, he's a good man. And I asked him about this verse in Jeremiah, which is also repeated uh, in Jeremiah 16, too. And whenever, folks, the Lord repeats something, you need to listen extra close. It's word for word repeated in the book of Jeremiah twice. That means God really wants us to understand this. And so as I'm talking to this, he said, well, that was fulfilled when they came out of Babylon. And, and so I was kind of shook up. I was a new believer, Benjamin. It kind of rocked my world. And so I went home and really sought after this and was praying about it and reading the scripture. And I was kind of, in a little ways, hurt because I was I, I was trying to accept, well, maybe I'm just wrong. And, and then I one day I came across the stoning of Stephen, and I read through it. And I remember as Stephen was on trial, and, and he gave Israel, the, you know, the Sanhedrin just a, an absolute lesson in the history of, history of Israel. The only thing he talked about was the first exodus. And Benjamin, when the Lord opened my eyes up to that, I was like uh, on cloud nine. Hallelujah, this has not happened yet. This is yet to take place. God has his deliverance plan in place for the future. And folks, don't worry about it. If you are part of God's remnant, which if you surrender to the Lord and just let him lead your life, I'm not talking about that you're going to be perfect. That's his job. Let him do his work, and he will take care of the rest. You will walk with the remnant in these last hours. And like Benjamin said, if you get to be a martyr for the Lord, well, praise God. There's a crown laid up for martyrs, and it's going to be glorious. So, Benjamin, thanks uh, for sharing this because this is just an exciting. So, brother, please continue. Well, it's totally awesome to realize God has a deliverance plan. And, you know, he's basically going to move his people out of the kingdom of the beast, and he's going to take them to a sanctuary that he's prepared where they'll be safe and nobody can harm them. And, And there the people of God will wait for the coming of the Lord in the clouds and for the end of the tribulation period. You know what's amazing, Frank? The the refuge where the children of God will wait is actually in the wilderness, Jordan, right outside of the area known as Mount Seir. And this is the same place that the Israelites camped after they'd come out of Egypt and after the 40 years of wandering had ended This was the final camping place for the Israelites before they entered the promised land. And so the Lord is taking us back to the very place he had his people wait for him to open the door to the promised land. In the same exact valley, in the same exact place, the remnant will wait for the Lord. And you know what else is really going to be fun to be part of the remnant? The Lord is going to feed the remnant with manna. How awesome. I mean, really, wouldn't that be fun to have manna for breakfast? 
I'm thinking this is going to be the best ever. I mean, we'll literally be experiencing many of the same things that the, you know our ancestors experienced when they came out of Egypt in the natural. They came out of the slavery in the natural. Here we're coming out of the slave system of Babylon in the spirit and physically being removed from the kingdom of the beast. Because, you know, let's face it, if you don't disappear in the fabled rapture and you're still here on the planet, you can't, you really cannot survive and stay in the kingdom of the Antichrist because you're not going to have the mark and, you know, all those people are going to get demon-possessed and they're not going to be very friendly to the true church. And, and so the Lord's just simply going to move his people out of the way. And, Frank, I've actually been to the wilderness that's being prepared, and um, I've actually um, done some work over there to get ready for the remnant that are coming, and have been involved off and on over the years. And I can tell you this, it is so beautiful. When I first got to the wilderness that's, gonna, that's being prepared for the woman to flee to, I said, Lord, this is you call this a wilderness? This place is beautiful. But you know, the Lord did tell us, it'll be very well with my remnant in that day. So God's got everything. He's got the highway prepared. He's got an entire army of anointed warriors known as the 144,000. And the smallest, the least among them, is stronger than an entire nation state. Okay? So these guys... There's nothing they can't handle because they're walking in the power of Jesus Christ as the Lion of Judah. The Lord, he's not taking names. He's just, it's going to be like a flash of lightning. Anything that tries to touch the remnant, it'll be like lightning moved, and it'll be over. And God's going to protect his people. There ain't nobody going to lay a finger on his little remnant. They will be completely protected, and, and they'll, they'll know that they're totally safe, too. They're not even going to be afraid. They're going to be singing. It's going to be so fun to go on that journey with the remnant. I'm looking forward to it. And then to finally, you know, as, as, uh, the entire remnant is gathered into the safe place. You know, the, the worship that takes place in the wilderness of Zion towards the end of the Great Tribulation. This is going to be simply amazing. And, you know, I wonder if the Lord isn't going to, like, just kind of come down a couple times just to visit, you know, because he's so excited about bringing his people home. And I mean, I don't have a, a scripture text for that, but it would not surprise me if the Lord didn't kind of sneak into the camp, you know, and maybe kind of hide, the fa- you know, hide who he is, but cruise around and visit with the people, right? He's done that before. God comes, and we don't yes, really know him there. Yeah. And so in any event, it's going to be really good to be in the remnant, okay? I would suggest quitting smoking. I would suggest quitting sinning. I don't think there's anything in this world that's worth missing out of being part of this remnant, but that's between all of us and and God. But I want to share just one final section of Scripture, um, again, dealing with the second exodus, uh, Isaiah 66, and I'm just going to start in read a few verses starting in verse 6 to 7 a voice of noise from the city and a voice from the temple a voice of the Lord rendering recompense to his enemies Okay, that's Lion of Judah territory people he's brought his vengeance 
He said, vengeance is mine. He's about to bring it. Before she travailed, she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. Okay, that's the anointed remnant being born. Verse 15, behold, the Lord will come with fire. He's bringing his fire, people. It's not going to burn us, though. And with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will plead with all flesh. Remember I told you God doesn't have a deliverance plan for your flesh. He's saving our spirits. We need to come out of that mindset of the flesh. We need to put the, the mind of the flesh off and put on the mind of Christ. We need to put on the mind of the Spirit. For the Lord's going to be pleading with the flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Then it, jumping to verse 19 in Isaiah 66, I will set a sign among them. Remember, we already read about that ensign before. But he says, and I will send those that escape unto the nations. And he listened to Tarshish and Pool and Lud that draw the bow, to Tubal, to Javan, to the isles that are far off, that have not heard my name. Okay, this is the 144,000, okay? This is the anointed remnant, even, that are being sent among the nations, that have not heard of the fame of the Lord, and have not seen the glory of God. And they will declare, they're going to witness and evidence my glory among the Gentiles. And look what they then do. And they shall bring... All of your brethren for an offering unto the Lord out of all of the nations. How many of the brethren of God are coming? All of them. Out of how many countries? Out of all of the nations. And when God uses the word all, I did a lot of research in this, and I found out it means all. Literally, all nations. Amen. And then he starts listing the transportation mechanisms on horses, chariots, leaders, mules, swift. What he's saying is every available means of transportation will be used to bring the people to my holy mountain. Jerusalem, saith the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. You see, the remnant are going to be a clean vessel. They're going to, they're going to hold up clean hands. And they're going to present to the Lord a holy and a clean worship. And that's why they've been chosen for this purpose of God, that he would have a remnant that would yet glorify him, even during the darkest hours of the great tribulation. And amen. God has a plan, so we're good. And the seven amen. years of the Praise slavery the of the that. people of God is up next year. So I'd say, man, let's rejoice. This is going to be the best year ever for the remnant, and for everyone else, well, the party's over, people. Pack it up and head home. Amen. Yeah, Benjamin, right now, right now, the uh, company that I'm that I currently work for, the the actual big owner is in Amman, Jordan, right now. And I just, I, I feel like I need to email him and ask him if he could just stop up there at Petra for me and just kind of, you know, mark me a spot up there um, because I'm looking forward to getting over there. Well, you should tell him to head down to the Tibet Zaman Resort, which is right outside Petra. And um, it's so awesome. It's, a, it's probably like a 300-year-old um, village that was renovated, and each of the little stone houses 
was turned into a five-star suite in what is now a five-star resort. And it's so cool because it's got all these little pathways, you know, and it's like you're in a little city. And each one of the rooms is a separate little stone building. And it's very nice. I mean, it's five-star Arabian desert. And it's right up. It literally, you look down on the valley where the Israelites camped during the end of the Exodus, and you can see Mount Seir, you know, which is right in front of you, and, and Petra is literally down the street. And then um, this resort, Frank, it has 300 rooms. It's literally set. The, the dining room sits 300 people. And it will be used during the Great Tribulation. This will be the headquarters of worldwide remnant operations. And the two witnesses will be there. You know, they get to come down from Jerusalem from time to time. You know, God gives them a break. You know, they don't have to just prophesy exactly three and a half years nonstop. You know, I mean, they get a little sick of being around the wicked all the time. So they come down from Jerusalem, come visit the remnant. That'll be so cool to be among the remnant. And Elijah is there to do a Bible study. <laughs> no doubt everyone will just be listening. <laughs> And no doubt we're going to be getting some amazing Bible studies during the time of the Great Tribulation. So, you know, this whole idea of Satan wins the day of the Lord is just another lie right out of the pit of hell. And, um, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. It's the Lord's day, and the Lord's going to win. Yeah. And he's also got a remnant that he's going to protect. And, you know, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter um, what your health condition is. I mean, you could be a single mom with a couple little girls wondering, what am I going to do? Uh, you don't have to do anything other than give your heart totally to the Lord, and your God's going to take the care of the rest of it. The part you can't do, the Lord's going to do. And believe me, if the Lord gives the commandment to deliver you, sister, you are getting delivered. And nobody can lay a hand Amen. on you. You know, and it doesn't matter. The people that have stored up gold for the day of the Lord, the Lord says it's a rebuke. Woe unto you who stored up gold that you would survive the day of judgment. Thinking that the arm of the flesh, you know, the Bible tells us their silver and their gold shall not deliver them. And in my opinion, neither shall Bitcoin. And I've got Christian friends who have gone Bitcoin crazy, you know. Whatever, you know. The whole world's going to blow up. And what, what, Bitcoin, what are we, are you serious? Great, sell it. If you made, if you bought it cheap and you made a ton of money, sell it, right? And don't forget to give to the poor because the Lord counts it as a loan. But anyway, Frank, that's a couple verses of the second Exodus. How, do, how did I do? And praise God, this has been amazing. And folks, I just want to say, if you want to continue on your own study, because there's so much more to this, I mean, even Benjamin hinted to where the hiding place of the remnant. And I'll just give you some clues, folks, for your own studying. Uh, if you look at Moab in the Bible, God just talks over and over about destroying. They're destroyed. How angry he is. And then out of nowhere in Jeremiah, he says to Moab that they should, he'll bring the captivity again in the latter days, uh, saith the Lord. And then he says, hide my people, Moab. 
So God's got a plan for that area over there in Moab. Yes, he has judged it, but he has a plan for it in the last days. And if you are alive till the time the Lord comes again, uh, well, get ready. You're going to be heading out on a journey. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that, Frank, because the Scripture does refer to the, the sanctuary for the remnant as the land of Edom and Moab, right? And... You know, what's so Amen. beautiful is Edom and, and the people of Edom, they're the descendants of Esau, right? And the Moabites yes. are the descendants of Lot. And so, you know, think about it for a minute. Esau was a legitimate grandson of Abraham. I mean, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Esau and Jacob. Okay, now Esau was rejected. He didn't inherit the promise, but he's a legitimate son of Isaac. And, you know, and Moab, who are the descendants of Lot, this is Abraham's nephew. So you're talking about two members. These are tribes or nations, if you will, who are the descendants of two people who were legitimate relatives of Abraham, not Ishmael, who was born of the slave woman. Edom, Esau, Mm. who was the son of Isaac. And so at the time of the end, the Lord, in in delivering his people, who are the descendants of Isaac in the spirit, the the elect of God, he's using the descendants of Esau and the descendants of Lot. And in a a very, very real sense, he's, he's blessing the extended family of Abraham at the time of the end. You know, and it says in the scripture Amen. that the Edomites, they will bow to the children of Isaac. They will literally bow their faces to the ground. I'm not sure where it is in the book of Isaiah, but it talks about the, the children of Edom and Moab literally bowing to the ground. Frank, the very first time I went to the wilderness that has been chosen by God for this purpose, I was introduced to some of the people from... Um, the city of Aqaba, which is Jacob in Arabic, okay, and it's next to, across the border from Elat on the, on essentially the Gulf of Aqaba or the Red Sea. But I was introduced to several of the Edomites by some other believers that were there, and they, you know, they told them my name, and they said, oh, he, and this brother's with us. Frank, these Edomites got on their hands and bowed their faces to me on the sidewalk. And they said, we're, we're your servants. I am your servant. Only take me with you. I know God is with you. Take me with you as a servant. I don't know about you, but I've never been like walking around in public and being introduced to somebody, and they figure out I'm an Israelite. They get on their face and start bowing before me, begging me to take them as, my, as a servant. But that happened. And that will happen. The Edomites and the Moabites are going to know these are the people of God. God's with these people. Let them in. We want them with us. The blessing of God's coming upon all of us. And, and so many, many of the, of the descendants of Esau and, and many of the descendants of Lot, they too are going to be saved. You know, now, I actually was involved in a real estate transaction um, in the refuge, and um, I actually signed the... I actually negotiated a lease on some real property uh, right outside of Petra. This was um, a few years back. 
And it was the first time a Westerner ever acquired an interest in real estate in this area. And after we negotiated the deal and I drew up the contracts and, and, and we signed a 30-year lease on part of this land, I actually have a legal right to the refuge. <laughs> I'm the first foreigner, Frank, who actually my name is on the deed. <laughs> but once we signed the deed, the elders of the city, they said to me, we know you're a, a descendant of Isaac. We know you're an Israelite. And we're the Moabites. We're descendants of Lot. That makes you our cousin. And that's the only reason we would do this deal with you, because we were told that to never, ever sell or lease this real estate to anyone outside of our family, but because you're from the house of Isaac, and we are from the house of Lot, you are actually relatives of ours, and therefore we did this deal with you. You would tell me that Amen. wasn't a trip. Amen. Yeah, that is. So, you know, I'd like to have, if I could get a little piece of that lot with you there, you know, for a real small fee. <laughs> Brother, like we're, are you right kidding? Now. We're getting the whole thing. Amen. The women of God are going to inherit the whole thing. They're going to invite us in like kings because they know the king of kings is with us. And they're going to be begging us to pray for them. We are going to be, you know, the VIPs. They, they will welcome the remnant with open arms. Like you said, it's commanded of them in the scriptures. And, and they're going to get the revelation that this is the time of the end and Jesus is coming and these are the people of God who God has preserved. And we're going to be so blessed among those people. They're going to be coming to us and saying, please pray for me. I know your God is with you. He hears you. Would you please ask him to have mercy on me? And so it's going to be awesome to be in the remnant. You're going to see some incredible stuff, so incredible, that when we finally get to the kingdom of heaven, all of eternity, all the saints of eternity, are going to want to hear your stories and my story of this time. And I already have kind of a fun story, Amen. and it's just a little bit. We've got the really exciting part yet ahead of us. You know, Benjamin, I just want to kind of close out with this verse. You know it well. And, folks, this is just another piece of evidence to what's going to happen over there. And, and like I said, that a lot of that area up around Petra and everything, I mean, there's people, but it's kind of nomadic up in there. But what's going to happen, listen to what the Scripture says in Isaiah chapter 16. Send ye the lamb to the ruler of the land from Selah, Petra, to the wilderness, Unto the mountain of the daughter of Zion, for it shall be that as a wandering bird cast out of the nest, so the daughters of Moab shall be at the fords of Arnon. Take counsel, execute judgment, make thy shadow as the night in the midst of the noonday. Listen to this, folks. Hide the outcast. Beray not him that wandereth. Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab. Be thou a covert to them from the face of the spoiler. For the extortioner is at an end. The spoiler ceaseth. The oppressors are consumed out of the land, and in mercy shall the throne be established. Amen. Folks, what is coming is unbelievable. It's believable, but it is going to be amazing. Hallelujah. Oh, amen, brother. And, you know, the fords of the Arnon River, that is the beginning of the sanctuary, the safe zone, the, the place prepared in the wilderness. It starts at the Arnon River, which kind of splits Jordan, and then it goes all the way to the seacoast. 
And brother, it is so beautiful over there. And from the mountains overlooking this area, you can look down into Israel. You can see the Dead Sea, and you can look down into greater Israel. You'll probably even be able to watch the Battle of Armageddon. I mean, it's serious. The whole sheep pen of all Basra, real. it's all in there, folks. It's all yep. in there. Well, you Benjamin, it, I appreciate you doing that. This was kind of a nice wrap-up to the last few programs because all what's going on now is leading to this final leg of this journey we call a faith that's coming to, to a culmination in the end of this world and life eternal with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Yeshua. He's coming back soon. And, Benjamin, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day when I can just take, reach out my arms and say, Lord, here we are. Here's the family, the children. We're done. I'm so glad this thing is over with. Amen. Well, and we, Frank, we have one more message to do. We've got to do the ministry of the Lion of Judah. Amen. You know, now that we Amen. know the Lord has a deliverance plan, now that we know the judgment's coming down on Babylon at the same time he's going to deliver his people, and now we know he has a really awesome deliverance plan, let's do one more message on the ministry of the Lion of Judah, and let's look at all the scriptures that talk about what the Lord's fixing to do. Because that's the part Amen, that is folks. so totally awesome. Well, turn, tune in last next week as we wrap this up, and that will be, honestly, I'm glad you mentioned that, Benjamin, that will be a complete package because this is the day and the hour, and, and I don't want to harp on this over and over again, but folks, fasting and praying, it's not an option. It's a command from the Lord. He said specifically, when he, the bridegroom is taken away, then they shall fast. And he only well, no, he says, then my disciples will fast. If, if you're not fasting, yes, then, then, you know, yeah. then maybe Amen. you're not a disciple. Amen. And, folks, this is not to, the Lord's not being mean. He's just wanting to get that junk out so he can fill you with his spirit and that you can stop walking. You can move from Romans chapter 7 into Romans chapter 8 for those who walk after the spirit and not after the flesh anymore. Don't get stuck in Romans chapter 7. Paul's journey, he ended in 8, and he was walking after the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother, thank you for joining us tonight and sharing this wonderful message. I really appreciate hey, it. You're welcome, brother. God bless. Good night, everybody. Hey, God bless. And every everybody, this is Brother Frank and Brother Benjamin with the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom.